0: Gather in the name of the Lord and uh, being able to partake in the ministry of the preaching of the Word of God. I thank God for this privilege and uh, it is a tremendous honor. I'm thankful for the ministry of our two pastors, uh, Pastor Ricky and Pastor Laramie. I am grateful for their ministry and uh, I pray that God will always give them wisdom and discernment and the strength to them and their family to do what must be done. Um, this morning I was reminded by Brother David of the duty of the Christian when, in regards of the preaching of the Word of God, uh, he said that we must be uh, noble Bereans. And that is indeed the truth. Uh, so I charge you this morning with the task of examine what it is being said compared to scripture to see if actually it is the truth and that if it is the truth, that therefore we may be uh, obedient to the word of God. This morning, uh, as the scripture uh, brings conviction, I pray that it brings also comfort to our hearts and that we may see Christ in a deeper light, in a more deeper sense, that we explore the glories of God in his word. So if you'll stand for the reading of the Word of God, uh, we go ahead and start our preaching and our session. My text is from the letter of the Apostle Paul to the dispersion, excuse me, <laughs> Paul, is used to him. Um, Peter, his universal epistle to the uh, dispersion, to the church that was dispersed in Asia Minor. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this even though for now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials so that the proven character that is the genuineness of your faith that is more valuable than gold, which is though perishable and it is refined by fire, this may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the gold of your faith which is the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you, they searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what times or what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that were to come. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the power of the Holy Spirit who was sent from heaven, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. May God bless the reading of His Word. Let us go ahead and pray. Our Father, we come before you this morning. Father, we thank you for your precious Son. Thank you, Father, that in him you have called us out of the domain of darkness and has set us in the kingdom of your beloved Son. In him we have the redemption and forgiveness of sin. Father, I pray this morning that grace may be given to me. that I may be able, Father, to be faithful to your word, that our blessed Master may be portrayed to us in a deeper light, we may see him precious, salted, high, and lifted up. The church may be edified as an outcome of this, Father. And that you will be done in our lives. I pray that you will comfort those who are suffering and grieving right now, Father. I pray for those who have need this day. The word, you word, may be of comfort. And I pray for those, Father, that are comfortable that they may be shaken, Father. Pray that you will give them grace, that they may use every advantage that you have provided for them for the advancement of the kingdom. Thank you, Father, for every blessing. We give you praise and glory. We ask for your guidance. Open our hearts and give us ears to hear, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. May be seated. Well, I wanna concentrate in verses eight through 12, but in order to provide a correct and immediate context to this passage, I first uh, find it necessary to remind us of some of the helpful facts about this epistle. For example, I wanted to speak to you real quick, just passing through here. What is this letter? This letter is an is a epistle. What is an epistle? An epistle is a document given by a uh, by an apostle means that it's an authoritative document. It is given to the believers. This is doctrinal teachings. Uh, What that means is that these documents are given to us by the Holy Spirit by way of the apostles to give us a doctrinal instruction. That is, our lives are to be brought in conformity to what is written to the Word of God. They're not just suggestions for us, but they are actually doctrinal teachings. They are to be obeyed. So it is important for us to understand what is it that we are reading. That helps the reader to understand the meaning and to comprehend what is being said. Now, in the historical context, right quick, just in passing through here, I want to bring to our attention, we must understand the historical context of this letter. How is this letter comes about? It is agreed by many historians and theologians that this letter comes to us by way of the Apostle Peter around the year 64 AD, and the reason and the occasion for this letter is because there was a great persecution that ensued as an outcome of the emperor Nero, the emperor of the Roman Empire in those days, accusing the believers of being the instigators of the great fire in the city of Rome. So as an outcome of that, there was a great persecution uh, towards the believers. The believers were, were being persecuted from both ends. On the one side, we see the The Jewish people were persecuting the Christian believers because they believed in this dead carpenter from Nazareth. So they were being persecuted by the Jewish community. And the other side, the Gentiles persecuted them because they did not believe in the pagan gods. They would not worship the pagan gods. So they were getting it from both sides. They They were even called atheists. So it is helpful for us to have a Uh, historical context of this letter, what was the occasion, why did Peter write this letter? This letter was given to the believers as a way to comfort their faith, to strengthen their faith in the light of the persecution that the church was enduring, especially in Asia Minor. So it is important for us that we remember the original setting for this letter, The apostle in this letter calls the New Testament believers to adorn the gospel with a godly living. And he calls them to what John MacArthur said in his commentary of this letter. He says this. He calls the believers to a behavior that is consistent with their salvation. He calls the believers to a behavior that is consistent with their salvation. Now, in this epistle, the Apostle Peter is dealing with the reality of pain and sufferings. He wants to make sure that his readers don't disconnect Christianity from the reality of pain and persecution. Now, in passing through here, it is important for me to say this to you, that we must not dislodge Christianity from this reality, from the reality of pain and sufferings. Because the moment we do this, we are no longer talking about Christianity. I like what Alistair Begg said in regards to this. He's very helpful. He said this, he said, where? He said, where do we get a concept of Christianity in America? He says, where Christ is the only one who dies, when Christ is the only one who carries a cross, and when Christ is the only one who wears a crown of thorns. Certainly, he said, we did not get this concept of Christianity from the New Testament. End of quote. Now the apostle, the apostle in this wonderful letter calls the believers that were under persecution, he calls them to this, to the imitation of Christ. He calls them to Christ's likeness. Now if you want a sermon summary, I'm not really that smart to do that. I really struggle with that. But I want to give you the key of this letter, of this epistle. It's found in chapter 2, verse 21. The apostle said this. Listen to what it says. If you want to summarize this letter, here's the essence of it. Listen to what it says. For you were called to this. Now the question is to what? The answer is within the verse. It says, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his footsteps. All right, so if you want a sermon summary, there you have it. Now, Peter introduces the concept of sojourning. And actually, this is the reason why uh, we decided to take a, a break from the book of Exodus and go into this letter, because this letter purports for us a practical application of this concept of sojourning. You see, Peter exhorts the believers to identify themselves with the chosen people of God in the Old Testament at the time when they were also sojourners en route to the promised land. So what Peter wants is to provide a heavenly perspective for the believers. What is that? He wants them to have a biblical worldview. That's what Peter is trying to say. This is what he's trying to do. He's trying to bring a biblical worldview to bear to the believers. He wants them to live with the ten pegs shallow. That is, he wants to portray for them the concept of passing through. That is, not here, not now, not yet. That is a biblical concept. We find this reflected probably Peter got this from our Lord when he preached the Sermon on the Mountain in chapter 5 in chapter 6 and chapter 7 when our Lord said do not worry about what you shall wear what you shall eat. For your father who is in heaven knows that you need all these things but rather he says seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added on to you. So we see that Peter introduces that concept to the believers. The concept of passing through that is sojourning not here not now right he wants the believers to see themselves as people who's passing through this world now with that being said I want to dive into the text so for the sake of a little bit of context let us dive into verse six through seven let us see what it says here is a wonderful truth right here in verse six we read it says you rejoice in this even though for a short time, for a little while, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials. Now, I want to pause right here. I always like to ask questions to the text. Listen, the question here becomes this. They rejoice in what? What is the source of their rejoicing? Right, we must understand this reality because Peter begins, if you go back with me to uh, verse 3. We'll find the reason and the answer to this question. In verse 3, we find that Peter begins his letter, his apostolic dissertation, with doxology. What that means is he begins by giving praises and glory to God. Now, the, He gives us the reason why he does this. Listen to what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. He says, into a living hope. And then he gives us the means by which this new birth and this new living hope is a reality to us. The means by which he brings this to pass. The means by which God brings to pass this reality. Listen to what it says through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, that's the linchpin. Everything that will follow, every conviction that comes to the believer, whether it's painful or not, must be understood in the reality that if you are commanded to holiness and demanded from you holiness in conformity to the Word of God, it's because you are His. And that's the reality that you must understand the Word of God. So, in the light of this persecution... That they are enduring, the apostle wants the believers to set their focus on the reality of their salvation, but above all, listen, above all, in the author and the finisher of their faith. He's alluding to Hebrews 12. What does it say? He says, Beloved, Set aside everything that is weighty, everything that hinders you from running the race set before you. Set in your eyes, in the author and finisher, perfecter, the archegos in the Greek means someone who perfects, an artist who finishes his work of art. It says, in him, set your eyes. So this is the allusion of the apostle. So in regards to this, speaking about the book of Hebrews and in the context of these words, we see that it's referring to those who saw Christ by faith. And although their view was limited, they surrendered all for the privilege of knowing Christ. Christ is precious. Now being ridiculed, persecuted for their faith, there was a great pressure for the believers in Asia Minor to doubt and give themselves to despair. Peter wants them to fix their eyes in the tremendous privilege of their position, and here's the key, their position in Christ. Now, to know, he wants them to know the fact that, that if they are being persecuted, it's not, a denial of their faith as they were being accused of. Remember that they were they were being persecuted by the pagans who were always superstitious. And if anything goes bad, it's because the gods are angry at you. You understand that? And from the Jews, you are cursed because you believe in that cursed man who hang from a tree. Peter wants them to understand that the fact that they are being persecuted. That they are suffering and grieving is what identifies them with Christ. That's what links them to Christ. He wants them to identify themselves with the sufferings of Christ. Now, he wants them to know that even if they lose all material possessions for the sake of Christ, he wants them to know that nothing can take away what God has given them in Christ. So he's moving them to a heavenly perspective. And that's why he says in verse 4, listen to what he says, into a inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept on earth. No. It says kept in heaven for you. Now, what follows in chapter, in verse 5, and I'm just passing through here, our pastor, our beloved pastor already went through this, but I just find it so helpful I can help myself. I'm like a kid in a candy store, you know. Wonderful line here. Verse 5. Listen to what it says. It says, you are being guarded. That was a military term. Okay. Peter is using a military term to say this. This is a military term in the Greek language that will be used to assign a group of soldiers or a unit of soldiers to guard a treasure. So the English doesn't really do justice to the to the Greek here but in essence a more adequate translation of this would say God is guarding you to the uttermost you're being guarded by God's power and listen to what it says through the means it says through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time Now, in this passage, right quick, we find what is called in theology, the doctrine of the assurance of the saints. I'm not going to get into that, but I want to quote Stephen Lawson in regards to this. Listen to what he says. He says, God started with 100 sheep. And if he started with 100 sheep, he will finish with 100 sheep. And he will not be cheated of that for which he paid for. He shall get the full amount. That's a great, great piece of news. We are secured in Christ. Oh, in this passage, we see a lot of things. We see, the, we see the great mercy of God, the new birth, the resurrection of Christ, by which means this is possible. But I want to draw our attention to this reality. You see... The Apostle Peter was familiar with this. He knew this reality, you know, just passing through here. We remember Peter in the Sea of Galilee with the other disciples there came into this great storm. And the text tells us, the gospel tells us that Christ came walking on water. And they were afraid because they thought that he was a ghost. And Peter shouted, out, Lord, if it is you, call me out to walk on water with you. And the Lord did. And Peter began to walk on water. But we know the story, right? He began to sink. His faith began to falter. Peter is an extraordinary character, but he knew this firsthand. He began to falter. But imagine if faith was something. Listen to this very carefully. If faith was something that we can muster out of our own strength, Peter was doomed because his faith was sinking. Here we see our Master, our Savior, with all compassion, reaching out to him and pulling him, in, pulling him out, rescuing, fertilizing his faith. So Peter understood that faith is not the product of human strength, but is the product of God. So with that, we come to verse seven, and it says here that the sufferings of the believer have a purpose. It says. So that the proven character of your faith, that is the genuineness, the reality, that to prove that your faith is true, not to God, he knows that. Understand that our trials, the sufferings in the life of the believer are not designed so that God may know if our faith is authentic. It's designed so that we may know this. That we may know when we are in the thick of the battle, when we are distraught and when we are down is when we are strong. And that is not just poetry. It's not something that we just subject ourselves to and we just muster up ourselves. We are strong when are we know it is the reality of the true faith. Faith is made perfect in pain. So we see, therefore, that it says in verse 7, So the proven character of your faith, faith there is more valuable than gold, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I wish I can unpack that, but I must continue because I must get to my part. So, in the New Testament, believers have a great reason to rejoice in the midst of tribulation because we know, according to this, there are sufferings, have a purpose, and that purpose is not to separate us from God, but rather to bring us closer to him by partaking into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. Being close to Christ is worth any pain and agony. Speaking of these things, the Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Philippian church in chapter 3, beginning in verse 8 through 10. i just read it right quick for the sake of time. Peter shares, excuse me, Paul shares his sentiment in regards of the preciousness and the privilege of knowing Christ. Listen to what he says. Indeed, he says, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and for his sake i have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish he says in order that i may gain Christ and be found in him not possessing a righteousness of my own that comes through the keeping of the law but that righteousness which come through faith which come through faith in Christ the righteousness from god that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like unto him, even unto his death. Jesus is precious. This is a sentiment that the apostle shares with us. And with that setting, I come to my, finally to my text in verse 8. He says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, that is, although you cannot see Christ right now, you believe in him. You rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. That's a wonderful, wonderful truth. Love for Christ, listen, love for Christ is a reality of salvation that is undeniable. Love for Christ is a reality of salvation that is undeniable. Now, what do I mean by that? For the heart that is truly regenerated, that is the heart that is born again, Christ is precious. And anything that offends his majesty is abhorring for the believer. Amen, right, brother? You know that. I know you told me that this morning. The true Christian beholds the loveliness of Jesus through the eye of of faith and by his word it is consumed it is consuming for the believer he can't have enough this is indeed listen this is indeed the evidence of salvation that he is precious you see he's not only the means for us to be saved but he is all in all one of the marks of a true believer that is to say, the evidence that you are saved and are being saved. Let me explain that, just passing through here real quick. You see, the scripture, this is where many get confused. The scripture speaks of our salvation in three dimensions. It speaks of having been saved, past, being saved, present, and will be saved, future. We have Justification, sanctification, and glorification. We must understand this in three dimensions. We cannot just narrow down in one part because it's part of the package. So we see that one mark of the true believer is a passion for Christ and to know him through his word. And the apostle uses the prophets, the prophets as examples of this reality. Pay attention to verse 10. I'm going to get a little bit technical here, but I know I know you can endure it. And this is for you, prophet. This is for you. It is good for you to know these things. Listen to what it says. Verse 10. Concerning this salvation. Now, you must understand that the term salvation in the context of this letter is interchangeable. It is actually a synonym for Christ. He is our salvation. So we can say concerning Christ, concerning this Christ, concerning this Jesus. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you. Now, here's two words here. The word search. He says, search and carefully investigate it. These two wonderful words. For example, the word used in the Greek language. And I remind you that the New Testament was written in the Greek language. Is the word exerteo. The preposition ek increases. The meaning of the word. It gives it more power. It means this. To search. With a passion. To be consumed. By this search. Nothing else matters. This is it. The peril. Of great value. So these prophet's were given divine revelation, although veiled, make this the consuming passion of their lives. Now, before you say amen to that, there's a flip side of that to us that I want us to understand. I'll get to that. Now, the other word, when it says carefully investigated, this is another word, is the word We can recognize the word ex and the word air. There is a word for out of and work. Together compounds means out of a great effort. And to means to bring the magnified glass and take a look. We all done that before, right? When we were kids. Hopefully you didn't burn incense, right? With the sun and the magnified glass. All right, so it means to... Pay attention to the minutiae. To the every yacht and tittle, every coma, every punctuation is being examined. It has that intent. Now, what do we get from this is Peter wants the believers to see what a great privileged position they have. He wants them to understand that this salvation is the outcome of the divine decree. He wants them to realize that what they are experiencing is the culmination of God's divine plan of redemption, of which the prophets only received a partial knowledge. Now, if you've been into my class, you have heard me said this before. You see, you must understand that the gospel is not plan B. The gospel was always the plan of God. That is to say, the gospel, listen, is not the reaction of God to men's sin. The gospel is not the reaction of God to men's sin. But rather, the gospel is the reason for the world. It's not the gospel for the world, but the world for the gospel. See, Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of this gospel. So God in his divine providence allowed the fall of man so that he may display his glorious, his precious and wonderful son so that he can redeem a people for himself. So the prophets by divine revelation caught a glance of this salvation, but not the whole revelation. Nevertheless, it was enough, listen, it was enough to cause them to be consumed by it because they saw that it was worthy. So let us move on. Verse 11. Now it says, They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ that it was within them was indicating when he testified in advance. Greek word it says, Pro martyron, means to give testimony in advance testify in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would come. So the prophets in the Old Testament received a veiled revelation, but even though it was not revealed to them specifically the time and the person, they did not have a full revelation. Even though that took place, they did not have a full revelation of Christ like the New Testament believers do. It was enough Nevertheless, it was enough to set everything on the line because of this great hope, although they did not fully see it. You understand what that means? That even though they did not completely understand what were those things that God gave to them, it was enough to set them afire to seek, to study, to know Christ. To know who was this person, what times was this person to come. Now this reminds us of the author of the Hebrews, right quick, chapter eleven, verse thirty-two through forty. This is just so we we can capture the sentiment of this. Listen to what it says. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse thirty two through forty. Listen to what it says. And what more can I say? Now, this is the author of the Hebrews speaking of those who caught a glance of this living hope, of this coming Messiah, who just saw a vague picture of him. Listen to what he says of their faith. Listen. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. He says, Who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength, being weak, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. When women received their dead, they were raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting relief, so that they may gain a better resurrection, and others experienced mocking and scourging, as well bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sold in two, they died by the sword, they wander about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves, holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. that they would not be perfected without us. Now from all this, I want to draw two inferences right quick in passing through here. Peter wants them to see themselves. Peter wants them to see themselves in the line with this great cloud of witnesses and know that if they suffer for that of which they only had a partial view, how much more it is expected from us who have a full revelation of Jesus Christ. And that is the flip side of that. Now, the second inference is this. Because of this testimony, we will be persecuted. And the sufferings is not out of step with Christianity. Sufferings is not out of step with Christianity. That means is. Sufferings are part of the life of the believer. If somebody tells you, come to Jesus and he will fix your life and you will live your best life now, he's lying to you, to your face. That is not Christianity. Make room in your theology for suffering. Make room in your theology. Have your theology in place before suffering comes have your theology, have your knowledge of the sovereignty of God before the sufferings come, because it will come. It will come to you. Be prepared. Now, right quick to finish, let us pay attention in verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves by you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse Of these things. now we must bear in mind. That according to the apostle. If we are in Christ. We are in Christ. Because of God's election. Bringing us according to his foreknowledge. To a full revelation of his precious son. To us who believe. He is precious. Beyond measure. To us who believe. He is precious beyond measure. Christ is precious. Not because we say so. Or because we assign any value to him. It does not derive his value from us but he is precious precious because he is intrinsically precious however the world does not see his preciousness because they can't they are blind but listen but to us he has been revealed by the testimony of the Old Testament and the New Testament the prophet The prophets served us by their testimony, so did the apostles. Of all people, listen very carefully, of all people, we are the most blessed. We possess a privileged view of Christ. This one, and perhaps the greatest reason, listen, I do not believe in passing through here in reductionism because of this what is reductionism that is just trying to condense theology trying to print the gospel on a penny for people i don't believe it you know why because i see that trying to reduce the gospel or theology for the sake of the loss or for the sake of believers is futility because i can see in this passage that for those who are his listen For those who are his, he is precious, and they do not want short, they want more. If theology is boring, if theology is boring, it's boring only to those who are unregenerate. I'm sorry, but it's the truth of the text. If theology, what is theology? Sales. Greek word for God. Logi, for logos, the word of God. That is theology. So, the angels, in conclusion, they long to catch a glimpse. The Greek word epidumeo means to lust. Could be a sexual lust. It's an intense word. So this wonderful piece of scripture begs us to ask a question: Why do angels be interested in understanding salvation? Or is that like saying how many angels can dance on a pinhead? You know, I don't know the answer to that, but I can see this. First, angels are not redeemable. Angels are not redeemable. Search the scriptures. Nowhere says that angels will be redeemed. They cannot know redemption. Okay? Fallen angels are lost forever. They will not be redeemed. Now, those who are not fallen, to a certain degree, they are in the presence of God. But listen they will never listen very carefully they will never know what is to be redeemed by the blood of jesus christ they will never know what it means to be redeemed they do not possess a imputed righteousness that is perfect as to say, they have a fellowship with the Holy Trinity. But us, beloved, you who are in Christ are clothed with that righteousness of him who it was said, this is my beloved son. And him I am well pleased. That means is that our fellowship with the Holy Trinity, when that comes to be, will be perfect. Better than that of the angels. And that's why they lost to no redemption. Do you realize the privilege that we have from this side of the cross. To finish, you know, you gotta realize when I said finish, I'm speaking allegorically. (laughs) I call it C.H. Spurgeon to finish. I'm serious this time. Listen to what the Prince of Preachers said. Does anyone suppose that he knows all about the gospel and does not need further hours of study, thought, and prayer. Poor miserable fool, he said. Angels who are vastly superior to us in intelligence desire to learn and to know more. There is no greater time spent. There is no such a thing like, we already done did that. Okay. There is no such a thing. We already study the doctrines of grace, soteriology, or justification. There is no such a thing as we already did, done, did that. The apostles called us all the time to study the scriptures, to repeat, repeat, and repeat. Don't bite into that mentality of the world. Christ said this to the Pharisees. He said, you study the scriptures because you believe that in them you have eternal life. But they are such who give testimony of me. And yet you will not come to me that you may have life. Let us pray.